Good morning. All right. It's good to be with you again, have the chance to share with you again uh, this morning. But uh, first, aren't our kids awesome? It's, yeah, let's give them one more round. So it's great. We can say thanks to our kids for helping uh, lead us in worship this morning. I feel like I've already uh, heard a sermon through them this morning. So that's been great. Uh, we also want to say, as Jeff said, a huge thanks to our teachers uh, who continue to invest in them uh, so consistently on Sunday mornings. We have a growing number of kids in our children's ministry, which is an awesome uh, thing. But we also need that many awesome volunteers to help us with that. And we, we have that. And so we're so thankful uh, for the way that our volunteers continue to invest in our kids. Uh, it was a ton of fun this morning morning. Um, but if you've been with us during the month of December, you know that we've been in a series called Hark. And we've been looking at the announcement stories of the Christmas story. And we've looked at the stories of Zachariah and Elizabeth. And last week we looked at the story of Joseph. Uh, but this morning we're going to be looking at another story, um, one of these announcements. We're going to be looking at the story of Mary as she's told that she has been chosen to be the mother of the coming Messiah. And so my hope for us this morning is that as we look at this story together, we would be reminded of just how wonderful, but also how absurd the story of Jesus coming to us actually is. And so uh, to look at Mary's story, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles this morning or your Bible apps or however you get your Bibles, we want to invite you uh, to get there this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and in verses 26 To 38. And if you're able, I want to invite you to stand with me this morning as we read the good news together. Again, this is Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of God for the people of God. We say, thanks be to God. You may be seated this morning. All right, so now, as I said, this is a familiar passage to us and one that we've probably heard uh, maybe countless times, especially around this time of the year. And I'm convinced that it is so familiar to us 
that sometimes its oddness doesn't strike us anymore. And so my hope this morning is that we would remember the oddness of this story and how strange and marvelous it actually is. Um, N.T. Wright is one of my favorite authors and New Testament scholars, and he points out that if this story, Mary's story, would have happened in our world today, it would be front page news for us. Because it has everything that our modern world craves in a headline. It has a potential scandal uh, with what would be perceived as a child conceived outside of marriage. It has political implications with Jesus' claim to be a king. He would be a threat to the powers of that world. And it obviously has political implications as well because we know that Jesus would certainly challenge the traditions and the religious institutions of his day. And so this story has everything that would normally grab our attention and dominate headlines in our world. But because it is so familiar to us, it somehow loses some of that scandal and some of that shock that Mary certainly would have felt the first time that she heard these words from the angel. And so this morning my hope is that as we explore this together we would rediscover how incredible, but also how absurd, the way that Jesus came to us is and how that message still meets us here today. Um, and we're going to unpack this just a little bit. Miss the slide there. We, we're going to unpack this a little bit this morning. Uh, but it is our Kids Sunday, and so I want to talk about my kid just a little bit this morning. Uh, shameless plug for Pancakes with Santa. We had a great Pancakes with Santa, and Owen actually liked Santa this year, which is a big deal. Uh, and so we had lots of fun with that. But uh, Owen tends to make lots of appearances in my sermons because, as Pastor Jeff said, uh, as we parent, we often learn a lot about ourselves in that process, right? And so something that Morgan and I are trying to teach Owen is patience, okay? Um, that we don't always get what we want when we want it. And this is a harder thing to teach than you may think, right? Uh, but one of the first times that we had this conversation with him, uh, explaining the importance of patience, he just looked at us and he said, it's hard to wait, and that's some pretty good wisdom for a three-year-old, right? Uh, it is hard to wait. Uh, but this conversation around patience and having to wait is really only amplified during the Christmas season, right? Because Owen knows that Christmas means presence. It means that there will be things under the tree for him. And as a kid, I remember uh, that those days of December were some of the longest and slowest passing days of the year, right? It just took forever for Christmas to arrive. Now as an adult, it feels like the days of December last all of like five seconds with all the things that we have to do and those kinds of things. Uh, but I understand it from a kid's perspective that it just seems like it takes forever for Christmas to arrive. And every day, Owen is asking, is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? Do I get presents? And we're trying to teach him that it's not just about all of those things. Uh, but in the words of Owen, it is so hard to wait for Christmas. But nobody likes to wait, right? We know that patience is a virtue, but nobody enjoys waiting. And this is especially true if the thing that we are waiting for is a lot more important than the Christmas gifts under the tree, right? 
As you know, in the season of Advent, we focus on Christ's arrival, celebrating that he has come, that he continues to come to us, and that he will come again. But we know that throughout the history of God's relationship with humanity, people have been required to wait, to be patient, and to long for God to arrive. And so for Mary and for Israel, really, waiting is something that they were very used to. It doesn't mean that they enjoyed it, but waiting was part of their story. And they longed and they waited for the day that the promised Messiah would come. And it was in the days of waiting that the Old Testament prophet wrote words that helped them through these times of waiting. Words like Isaiah 64 that say, Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. Or Micah chapter 7 that says, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. And so for hundreds of years, Mary's people had been waiting and hoping and longing for the Messiah. And Mary knew that that was supposed to be the story of Israel. That someday someone would come. And that Messiah would come to bring salvation and restore all things. She believed that someday their faith and their hope would be rewarded and that that hope would come in the form of a person. She hoped for that. She even may have expected that. But what is so remarkable in our story this morning and what I think should catch us off guard and what certainly would have caught Mary off guard is that as much as Mary expected a coming Savior, she never would have expected that this hope would have come through her. She would have known that the hope would have been for her, but she never would have expected it to come through her. The story of Mary is one of my favorites to talk about with students around the Christmas season because it's such a natural way to talk about how God uses a young person to do amazing things for his kingdom. But inevitably, the question always comes up, why Mary? What was it about Mary that caused God to select her specifically to bring Jesus into the world? And it's a good question for us to have because we live in a world that really only, it really only promotes the qualified and the successful and the self-sufficient. These are the people that normally get chosen in our world. And so the fact that Mary is chosen by God reveals that the kingdom of God is run by a different set of values than maybe the ones in our world that we judge by and that we often get judged by. And I think it should seem odd to us, or scandalous even, that God would invite Mary to such a critical task. Because at least on the surface, there is nothing extraordinary about Mary. She came from a very normal town with a very normal family, Her name was very common in the world that she lived in. She probably had normal plans for her life to get married, to grow up, and have kids the normal way, right? And those kinds of things, right? But our scripture simply tells us that Mary had found favor with God and that God's plans for Mary were very different than anything that Mary could have expected. And so this morning, I want to take just a moment to consider what this invitation would have meant for Mary, and what have, could have been going through her mind as she listened to the angel for the first time, because we recognize what an honor it would have been for Mary to be chosen the way that she was. But we also have to realize that Mary's obedience could have cost her. 
It could have cost her a lot to do what she was being asked to do. It could have cost her her marriage. Joseph very well could have disappeared. He could have decided that this wasn't for him. And it could have cost her future marriages, because who would have wanted to marry the woman who claimed to have been pregnant with God's son? It could have cost her her other relationships of her friends and her family who could have disowned her. And ultimately, her obedience could have cost her her life. Because in the world that Mary lived in, adultery was taken very seriously. And they could stone you for what Mary could be accused of. They didn't always enforce that, but claiming to be pregnant with God's son may not have helped her case. And so today... In our story, Mary receives this great invitation. But she knew that accepting this very unique call in her life would change everything for her and could cost her everything. And I think that sometimes we picture Mary as innocent and peaceful and quiet, maybe even a little stoic in her response to the angel. But our image of Mary also has to be one of incredible strength and courage and bravery, Because not only would Mary have known that she'd be judged by her family and her friends and religious leaders, but she also knew that the arrival of the Messiah had huge political implications as well. Because Israel certainly expected a Messiah to come. This is something that they expected. But if they would have written the script, it would have looked very different than the one that was given to Mary. Because they expected a Messiah that would come with power and with authority They were expecting a conquering king who would lead a revolution against the Romans. They thought that their Messiah would come with intentions to restore their national interests and would be concerned with the political state of Israel primarily. And so Mary would have known that Jesus' arrival would have been in conflict with the most powerful and the most power-hungry people of her world. It's pretty scary stuff. Those are some pretty scary people. But she didn't let this scare her. In fact, she sung about it. And I'm excited to share this part with you this morning. We didn't read it this morning, but in uh, Luke chapter 1, later in that same chapter, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And in her joy, she sings the words that we know as Mary's song or the Magnificat. And you can read the whole thing later on your own if you'd like, but I just want to read a couple lines for us this morning. Uh, because if we look at this, uh, these lines seem pretty innocent, but if we look a little bit closer, we realize that there are some things in this that could be uh, pretty controversial to the leaders that she would be confronting. It says, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. If we read Mary's song in Mary's real world, a world in which she and her people were under the rule of foreign oppressors, we see that it is a song about turning injustices inside out and power upside down. Mary knew That with a new king, when a new king arrives, that means that the old kings have to vacate their throne. She knew that if Jesus was king, that that means that Caesar is not. She knew that if Jesus was king, Herod the Great was not. 
And so I don't know about you, when I, when I think about this kind of Mary and what she would have known and what she would have been processing, this is not the Mary that I typically think of. This is not passive, tranquil Mary that's in my nativity scene, right? Mary knows that her son and his kingdom is going to challenge kings and kingdoms, and she's here for it. She even writes a song about it. If you don't believe, believe me that these words of Mary would have threatened those in power, in the 1980s, the Guatemalan government, you didn't know I was going to talk about Guatemala this morning. The 1980s, the Guatemalan government banned Mary's song from being read because they found it to be politically subversive. They feared that it would help lead a rebellion because it is a song about turning injustices inside out and power upside down. And so this is what Mary is faced with. She's faced with all of that. Not only could she have been rejected by her friends, her family, her religion, but in announcing the arrival of a new king, she could have been seen as one leading a rebellion. And so this could have cost her so, so much. And she could have said no. She would have had every reason to say no. Because as much as Mary was waiting and longing for the coming Messiah, she never would have expected that it would have arrived through her. She never would have expected that his arrival could cost her so much. But in faith and in trust, she embraced what God had called her to, even though it was completely different than anything she ever would have expected. But this morning, there is some really good news for us in Mary's story and in the fact that God often shows up in different ways than we might expect with a different agenda than we might expect. And the good news of, for us this morning and the good news of Christmas is found in what Mary is told by the angel in the middle of the passage that we read this morning. And I want to read it for us again. It says, You will conceive and give birth to a son. You were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. And so this morning, this Christmas season, we can celebrate that the kingdom that Jesus came to bring wasn't just for them 2,000 years ago. It was for us as well. We can celebrate that we are invited to belong to this kingdom that has no end. Because while Israel fully expected a Savior who would come and save them from their present circumstances, they had no idea that God in His goodness was preparing to redeem the entire world. They expected that the hope that would be given, that would be hope for all, would come in the form of a person. But they had no idea that that hope would be given to all people of all places and all times. And that God, in declaring through the angel that this kingdom would have no end, was revealing that his love for humanity had no end. And that the hope that he came to bring would have no end. And so this morning, I'm convinced that the way that God came to us, how he came to our world, has so much to teach us about what God is like and what his kingdom is like. Because of all the ways that God could have come to us, into our world. 
He came in a way that we never would have expected, in a way that Mary never would have expected, in a way that was never predictable, never ordinary, but was in some ways kind of absurd. So this morning, we can celebrate that God is not opposed to our humanity, but he became one of us to reveal his love for us. And just as he invited Mary, he's inviting each of us to be part of this kingdom that has no end, a kingdom that is about turning injustices inside out and power upside down. The story of Mary and Israel is one of waiting and longing for rescue and for hope. And so this morning, I wonder, what are we waiting for? What are the things in our life that we are anticipating and hoping for, waiting for? In this season of Advent, we celebrate that Jesus came to us, but that he does continue to come to us and show up in the places in our life where we need him most. And as we said this morning, it is sometimes really hard to wait, especially when we're hoping and waiting for things like hope and answers and someone to rescue us. But the good news this morning is that if Jesus is king, it means that the most daunting situations in our life are not. And we can know that in our seasons of waiting and wondering, God is Emmanuel. He is a God who is with us. So as we conclude this morning, I also believe that Mary's story should encourage and even challenge us as those who belong to the kingdom to always expect the unexpected. Because I think we have a lot more in common with Mary than we might think sometimes. Because I think we know that God's hope is for us. I think we know that that good gift is for us, but I don't know if we always know that he wants to come to our world through us. I think it's easy for us sometimes in the busyness of life, it's easy for me in the busyness of life, in the busyness of the holiday season, to forget that God wants to come through us to our world and use us in that kind of a way. And so this Christmas, may we remember as followers of Christ, that we bear Christ for the world to see. And just as Mary was invited to carry Jesus into the world, we are also invited to carry the unending hope of Jesus into our places of work, into our schools, into our homes, and even into those family gatherings that we are all about to take part of. This Christmas, may we expect the unexpected. May we anticipate that God is working in our lives and in the lives of our friends and family that we are with. And may we remember that that first Christmas, God broke into our world in ways that we never would have expected, in ways that Mary never would have expected, so that people of all times and all places could experience a kingdom that has no end and a God whose love has no end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to us to be hope for us. We thank you for the hope that you continue to bring to our lives and we thank you that you will come again. 
and that your kingdom will never end. And this morning I pray that you would help us to expect the unexpected, that you would help us to see ourselves as the light and the love that we can be in our world through you. And that in our seasons of waiting and wondering, we would always remember the love that caused you to come to us. That you are a God who is with us. It is in your name that I pray these things. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning for the final blessing? And now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you to be light, to be love, to be hope through him to this world. He will be with you and he will do it. He is faithful. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in his peace. We'll see you next Sunday.